brother and his wife had their first child recently, and it was a pretty big deal. It was, you know, the first grandchild for my parents. But unfortunately for me, I'm just not that big of a baby guy. Like, I'm super awkward when I hold him. You know, my brother put his, his son in my lap, and my nephew looked up at me with this expression like, you have no idea what you're doing, do you? There's pictures, they're pretty hilarious. But lucky for me, thanks to my podcast sponsor, Kia Babies, I knew exactly where to go to get the perfect baby gift. I got my nephew this adorable little towel. It's got these bear ears on it. And now my entire family gets to enjoy these really cute pictures of my nephew. He's all smiley and he's got bear ears. I mean, that's pretty adorable, right? So next time you need a perfect baby gift or just something for your own kid, go check out Kia Babies. You can find a link in my show notes or on my podcast website. And when you check out, tell them to choose the struggle sent you. But I'm going to just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Hello and welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you all for being here. We've arrived at episode 43. We are closing in on the end of this season. It's been a great ride and I'm so glad y'all are sticking around. It, It means a lot to me. Before I get into this week's episode, and it's a pretty great one, I do want to fulfill my promise from last week and talk a little bit about the election. So first, the wins. After election night, when New Jersey and Arizona legalized marijuana and Mississippi and South Dakota passed medical marijuana bills, the totals now stand at 13 states plus D.C. that have legalized marijuana and over 40 that have either or both medical and legal marijuana. At this point, there are only seven states remaining that will still treat you as a criminal for possessing marijuana. This is huge. Sadly, one of those states is the one I live in, South Carolina, which sees it as a major problem. Just as big, Washington, D.C. decriminalized a wide range of psychedelics, and Oregon decriminalized all drugs and specified funding from substance misuse treatment and psilocybin therapy. This is huge. As Nicholas Kristof put it in the New York Times, at a moment when America is divided as could possibly be, One thing all voters agreed on this election day was ending the war on drugs. I can't, I I just, I can't overstate how huge this is. We still have just so far to go, but as Josh Lyman of the West Wing would say, we've got the momentum, baby, we've got the big mo. Now, that being said, a recent report found that despite an overwhelming popularity, again, a different survey, you know, we'll find that Support for legalizing marijuana is anywhere between 80 and 90% countrywide, which, let's be honest, is as close to 100% as you're going to get in politics. I mean, if one party said, we love puppies, the other one would be like, no, puppies are crap. So, you know, 80 to 90% is a huge deal. The federal government over the last five years has given 20 times more towards research into harms of marijuana use than research into its benefits. So clearly, changing things at the federal level is incredibly important. Which leads me into the less amazing news from election week. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won. They did. 
If anyone listening still, for some reason, disagrees, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you, they won. This in itself isn't bad news. Biden was, without a shred of a doubt, the lesser of two evils. So first, the applause for Mrs. Harris for becoming the first woman to serve in one of the top two spots of our government, as well as the first black VP and the first South Asian VP. These are huge deals. Now, I've covered at nauseum, I know, how much I don't like Joe Biden. Again, he was clearly the better candidate here because Trump is just awful. But he's not a good leader on any of the issues that I talk about on this show. His past and <laughs> present is littered with overt racism. He is a dinosaur on issues of substance misuse and drug use, etc. So we in this community have a lot of work to do. But that's almost less important right now. What matters more is how close this election was, how many people, 99% of them white, voted for continuing down the path of chaos, and how many of those same people truly believe the Democrats somehow stole this election. To sum it up in a comical way as a, a tweet that my wife showed me sometime this weekend, if you took a poll of your friends on what you should have for dinner, and three of them said pizza, and two of them said murder you and eat you, yeah, sure, pizza won, but now you have a much bigger problem. Here's my message to fellow white Americans. Stop for a moment and recognize that we have, in fact, been shown what at times we cannot see. And we must believe this. A huge number of Americans right now, when shown unequivocally, that black and brown Americans are persecuted, are treated as others, are systemically marginalized, they said no. They rejected that. They were shown and they chose to believe instead, deciding that a cover-up and some kind of conspiracy against white America was, if not more plausible, than a more desired truth. That's not on Donald Trump. It's just not. That honestly has nothing to do with Donald Trump. That's on America. That's on us. Trump simply gave it license in the highest office in the world. Now, to those of you who, like me, voted for Biden and Harris, to quote Michael Denzel Smith in his groundbreaking and absolutely incredible book, Stakes is High, which you should all go buy this moment. I, I actually sent copies to various members of my family uh, over the last couple of days because I truly believe this book is just. It's a slap in the face that a lot of us need right now. He said, We had eight years of the first black president to learn that representational progress, while important, does not necessarily translate to material progress. Simply put, we can't kick back now and say this is good enough. Now, I've heard two arguments over the last couple of days that, to be completely honest, scare the crap out of me. One of them is, now that Trump is gone, things will go back to quote-unquote normal. And while the speck of truth in there is, without someone in the White House spewing chaos every day, things will die down a bit, in both positive and negative ways, but that just means the field is clearer to see what really needs to change. Without all the crap flying around in this tornado, you can see the other side and see just how far we still have to go. Number two is that progress is moving as it should. Which, I'll be completely honest and no disrespect to the couple of people who've actually said that to me in recent weeks, 
That's absolutely disgusting. Women were given the right to vote in 1920. A hundred years later, we have our first female VP and we're still waiting on a female president. Black and brown Americans were promised the right to vote without fear the year that our VP turned one year old. She's now 56. So if you're saying that progress is moving at the rate it should, that progress actually can be measured in this case. And what you're saying is that you're okay with that progress being the rate of the life of Kamala Harris. Take a moment to consider that. What you're saying is, if you think the progress is moving as it should, that the life of Kamala Harris is the rate of progress that you're okay with. I just can't, I, I can't be okay with that. And I can't be okay with that being a rational line of thinking. I don't know about you, but I would say that is way damn slow. As Cassandra Federique of the Drug Policy Alliance said in a message to supporters like me this week, our fight continues, and we have to keep pushing. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this episode. The shout-out this week is from an old friend of mine who is doing very cool work that applies to this podcast. It's Didi Mamaligas. She is a neuroscientist who I went to middle school and high school with, or maybe just high school, just high school. She lives out in California now, and as you'll hear in her shout-out, is doing work that directly applies to the understanding of addiction. It's really fascinating, and I was so honored that she would come on, on this podcast and share some of that expertise with all of y'all and me, because it was really cool to learn it. The interview this week is with one of the coolest advocates that I have gotten to know over the last year. His name is Dennis Gillen. He was so gracious with his time earlier this year. We got connected on LinkedIn, and you'll hear this on the interview because I thank him there. And when I reached out and said, hey, I'm a guy who's doing similar work, obviously way earlier on that spectrum than you, he was like, dude, when can we chat? Really fantastic guy, a, a guy who who is doing work that is very important. You'll hear him talk about that, has very real experiences with this, uh, with these topics. Just a wonderful guy to chat with. So enjoy his interview. I know you will because I enjoyed chatting with him. All right, this has run very long. Keep filling out the surveys, uh, as always, in the show notes and on my website. Keep leaving reviews, again, in the show notes on the website. Share the podcast, rate the podcast, like the pod, all the kind of stuff. Find me on social media. Find me on my website. Cool stuff coming. And check out the Patreon. I'll talk more about that in future weeks, but there will be good things to those of you who subscribe to Patreon. All right, without further ado, enjoy this episode. I've been struggling for a long time with anxiety and depression and, you know, these things are sort of things that run in my family. And um, for me, it was a big part of my decision in going into college to try to figure out why things happen in your brain and how that works. And, and this is exacerbated by the fact that my mom's twin sister has a very severe case of bipolar disorder and some symptoms of schizophrenia, which have really been hard for us as a family, but you know, particularly for her. And we were always very close. So I have 
sort of use that as a jumping off point to get to where I am now. You know, for anyone who's worried about what they're going to do with their life and worried about how they're going to make money doing it, if there is something that you love and that you're interested in, there is a way to do it and pay the bills. It might not be exactly the number one thing that you would love to do every single day, but no job has something that you love to do every single day. I'm a postdoc right now, so what that means is that I finished my PhD and this is kind of like a residency for kind of akin to what you know doctors have. They have like a training period where they're semi-independent and that's kind of what I'm in now. So my project that I'm working on is all about how dopamine in your brain processes reward. And it should be no surprise that there are many things in the environment that are rewarding. It could be drugs, it could be food, it could be whatever, you know, anything. But what's interesting and what's not known is how the perception of need changes how your dopamine system, which is critical for reward, responds to a a given reward. So, you know, say that you're hungry and you see some food and you're like, your dopamine system's like, that's great. We want that, right? But if you just ate like a whole plate of cinnamon rolls, you're going to be like, get that the fuck away from me. Like, I do not want this, right? And so my project is all about figuring out how dopamine neurons encode that difference because it's known that they respond to all of these stimuli, right? But the question is when. And the reason that that's important is because if you can figure that out, then perhaps there's a way to manipulate that process. And in the context of addiction, which is not exactly specifically what my project is addressing at this point, but um, you could imagine that in that case, if you can intervene at a step before that by changing the internal need, then that would have the potential to be therapeutic in some way. You know, with, with drug addiction especially, I think that there's one way that it's sort of been twisted in its not seriousness, obviously drug addiction is very serious, but now I think there's sort of been a shift in the field over the last couple years maybe in trying to figure out what it is that makes people addicted in the first place because there are plenty of people who do a variety of drugs, you know, pick your favorite, who never get addicted and do it regularly at some interval, you know, and the percentage of people who actually do get addicted is actually pretty low. You know, addiction is not a choice. It's not something that you decide to have because you are whatever the stereotypes, you know, the myriad stereotypes that are attached, right? And the same is true with mental health in general. But I think that addiction is particularly stigmatized, as you know, I'm sure, and as you talk about regularly. And the 
use of like the concept of drug addiction being quote unquote bad has been used to basically write off entire sections of society and the neuroscience field is guilty in perpetuating that. I think that it's sort of on us to sort of know that and stop acting like drug addiction is this like ridiculous. I mean, it is horrible for the people who are going through it, but like as if those people are horrible and not judge those people and talk about how terrible it is because it's just not not helpful. You can find me on Twitter at DDAAM, D-I-D-I-A-A-M. And you can find Spark Tabor at Spark Tabor. <laughs> Are you ready to take your hemp experience to a whole new level? Because if so, I want to tell you about my sponsor, Mountain Made. Their puff line of smokable flour is unreal. They meticulously source each strain from select partner farms to ensure only the highest quality product in the marketplace. When it comes to the entourage effect, nothing tops strain-specific flour. It delivers the full range of all the amazing effects of CBD. I can tell you because I use it myself. With 0.7 grams of premium full flour inside of each pre-roll, you'll be ready to maximize your personal summit whenever you smoke. So check out Mountain Made today and grab a puff. They're federally compliant with less than 0.3% THC, which means they ship nationwide. All right, I'm going to grab a puff and let's get back to the episode. Well, the story starts with a lot of avoidance. Uh, I... I had a life situation that occurred uh, not once, but twice. In 1983, I was a junior in college. I um, got a phone call from home. I was eight hours from home at West Virginia University. And um, I lived in New York. And uh, it was my sister on the phone saying, Dennis, you need to come home. I'm one of five kids, five of us. And um, Sheila, Mark, me in the middle, Janice and Matthew. So that's the Gillen Five. And Janice was on the phone. My younger sister telling me, you need to come home. Our older brother, Mark, died in a car accident. And that's what they told me. Jay, that's what they told me. They didn't know what to tell me. You know why I'm here today. We're, we're talking about suicide prevention. Mark battled depression for years. And the disease state won. And we lost Mark. Um, in fact, there's no winners in this. So I, I had to go home and uh, bury my brother. I left school on a Thursday morning. I was back in school Tuesday night. And it was just, didn't handle it very well, put it aside. And then 11 years later, I think because we didn't handle it very well, you remember the Gillen Five, Sheila, Mark, Dennis, Janice, Matthew, 11 years later, in a drunken stupor with access to lethal means, we lost Matthew. Two suicides in one family. And it's kind of weird because I was reflecting on it today, uh, this month, while we're recording this, and it'll be played forever and ever, but while we're recording this, I'm probably two weeks away from the death of my brother, Mark, uh, the anniversary. And those little markers, for anyone who's ever lost anyone or any tragedy, anything in your life, all of a sudden you'll notice yourself in a bad mood. And I'm like, why am I so cranky lately? And I look at the calendar and I go, oh, shit, that's coming. 
Like you just, it just sneaks up on you. So October 26th, 1983 is when I lost Mark. Now here I am, you know, thinking about it as it's coming up. And I dread that day. I just dread it. It's an, it's an anniversary. No one wants to celebrate. Um, so I, I was quiet for years about both of those guys moved around the country a little bit, was in sales. I'm now, a, I guess you'd say a warrior, a mental health warrior, but a reluctant warrior, a reluctant warrior. And here's the deal about reluctant warrior. I didn't want to get into it. But even if your listeners thinking about this, if you've gone through something, your misery becomes your mission. Even if you are a reluctant warrior, you are still a warrior. And now I speak on mental health and suicide prevention full time, work part time for the South Carolina Department of Mental Health, trying to keep the suicide prevention lifeline, uh, the one that we have left here in the state up and running. And they're doing a great job at Mental Health America, Greenville County. They run that, helping them there, started a foundation uh, to do more talks and, and Zoom talks. And then, uh, you know, what I do professionally is, is speak and do other stuff. So it's all, my whole world is wrapped around suicide prevention, but I do have one little side job and this is self-care. I do have one little part-time job at a tennis center and you know, that's for my mental health. And I go there and I literally work the front desk. And I check people in and I, I check them out and sweep the courts and it's just something to do to get out of my own head. And I love it. The people there are happy. I don't, you know, the phone won't ring and say, hey, we got a suicide we want to talk to you about. It's that little part of self-care that I do. And Jay, you know, this self-care is not selfish. I go to the tennis center and they, they let me play for free. <laughs> so I'm cheap too. I, I think that's so cool because, you know, for, for a lot of people, following uh, their passion uh, or, or doing something selfless is a form of self-care, right? And, and yet for people like you and me who live this, doing something as simple as working the front desk at a tennis center is sort of that same thing, right? Where it's like, we are immersed in this all the time. That, that period of time where we can check out and not be is our reverse form of, of what other people are doing sort of you know, following their passion. Yeah, and I, I got that tip from a, another guy one time. I was talking to him. He did a lot of work in the suicide prevention. It was um, his name escapes him at, my, at the moment, but it'll come to me right after we hang up the phone on this podcast. I'll call you back. But he was into doing what we're doing. We're, we're trying to end the statement he was doing. He goes, "Hey, Dennis, I'm going to disappear for a while." I said, "What are you? Where are you going?" You know, he's it was a prominent name. He goes, "I'm just going to disappear. I'm just going to take care of me." And I learned that early on. And he came roaring back, and I'm like, you know, he 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 knew to take a time out. So for, you know, for all your listeners, if you're in this thing day to day, you know, doing the battle, it's okay to say time out. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it, I'm calling a time out right now. And I'm going to go take care of me. That's why when you're in an airplane, those oxygen masks, this is the classic example everybody uses. I'm stealing it was when the oxygen mask falls down, you know, during the demo, they say, put your mask on first and then attend to those others. That's the same thing with self-care. You put your mask on first, you get the oxygen level up and then you can help others you can't help someone if you're passed out well one of the last questions i ask every guest in this show is to talk about their self-care habits so we'll definitely circle back around to that at the end of the show before we do that though so so going back to your story which is a very powerful story and and you know um for my listeners i was really lucky you and i first connected what was it sometime right before covid i can't remember you know i mean covid who knows right but uh i reached out to you because we got connected i think on linkedin and i said you know i am i am doing what you do i'm way farther down the down, or, or earlier on the path than you are and you were so kind to jump on the phone with me and we chatted for about an hour where you told me your story and yeah and 
and uh, heard mine and, and we sort of just, you know, you, you gave me a lot of great lessons, but my listeners know, obviously I'm, I'm a survivor of two uh, attempts at suicide. And, and uh, that was, those were 10, 10 plus years ago. And, 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 you know, from being on this end, it still surprises me sometimes when people in my life tell me uh, either that they, you know, have, have battled with this or, or they have like you, a sibling. I was uh, one of my closest friends. I was in his wedding and and leading up to the wedding, we had known each other for years and leading up to the wedding. He, he says, he says, you know, in the program, you're going to see that there is another groomsman listed uh, that you don't know. And that's my brother who, who died by suicide a couple of years ago. I had no idea. And my my friend knew my story and he still, this was something he was still wrestling with. And, and, and those are the kind of things where it's like, if, if he had passed away in any other way, there wouldn't be that sort of reluctance, but that stigma is so alive. And, and, and it, and it really, it keeps people from reaching out. And I, I feel for those people. Yeah, and then and think about that. I'm so glad you're still with us, Jay. Um, Thank you. Because he would have lost a brother and a dear friend to suicide. Um, so you think about that guy. Now, for your listeners now, it's to get, we're educating a little bit on this podcast, a lot, really. I'm a survivor of suicide loss. You're somebody with lived experience, just so to get the, the names right. Because one time I remember explained to someone, I'm a survivor of suicide. We didn't have the the nomenclature quite right. And I said, I'm a survivor of suicide. And someone said, did you attempt? And I said, no, no, it's my, I lost my brothers. So for your listeners, Jay has lived experience. I'm a survivor of suicide loss. And together we're trying to end the stigma as indicated behind your beautiful head there. (laughs) Yeah. My listeners. So, so I, uh, I put this out as a, as an audio podcast, my listeners don't know this, but uh, although whenever I speak, I use the same background because I think it's so important. And then, you know, the number one thing we can do besides education is educating about how stigma still affects these issues because, you know, and and the story I always tell is that um, my aunt who is struggling with cancer, um, you know, I was talking to my grandmother and, my, and she said, oh, you're, she told me I'm so brave for telling my story. And I said, that's so, thank you. That's so interesting. Would you say, you know, your daughter is brave for tel- telling her story about fighting cancer? And my, my grandma said, no, no, no. She's brave for fighting it. And I said, well, why are those two things different? Why is she brave for fighting cancer? And I'm brave for talking about struggling with mental health and substance misuse. And that is the perfect encapsulation of why we need to keep fighting the stigma. Exactly. And for your listeners at home, we are doing this on a Zoom talk so Jay and I can see each other's eyes. And right <laughs> behind Jay's head, I'm going to describe it, is, and it says, end the stigma. End the stigma. And that's what we're kicking to the curb. There is no stigma around mental health. If I, if I showed up at a party and I had an insulin pump on my hip, everybody would know, hey, Dennis is type 1 diabetic. You know, they'd know it. I show up at a party. I look good, as I always do. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But, I want, but something's wrong with my head. You wouldn't know it. So what we have to do sometimes we have to verbalize, we have to tell people I'm not doing so hot. And I wish my brothers would have raised their hand and said that to us. I'm not doing so hot. And then maybe we could have rallied because knowing what we know now, I know we would have rallied. I know my parents would have shoot. They would have sold the house to take care of those boys, you know, get the therapy they needed. So after I'm assuming, but you got into this work after your second brother lost his battle. Is that right? Yeah. After Mark, 
well, let's call him my name now. Mark was my older brother, uh, 83. Matthew was 94. Um, and Mark, after Mark died, I didn't, I was in college. So I partied like it was 1999, which makes sense because it was 1983. So that song was so relevant. Um, <laughs> I partied hard, uh, didn't talk about Mark much. And then when Matthew died, that one uh, rocked me to my inner core. That one knocked me down hard. Uh, my little brother, it was just different. It was my little brother. That's the guy maybe I should have been looking out for, but I was too busy in my own little bubble. And um, I was married, living in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. We were trying to have a family, start a family. And then when the phone rang, I learned about Matthew. And Jay, that was the one that brought me to my knees. I mean, that one, that one, I remember driving home from New York where I grew up to back to Carlisle, Pennsylvania, where I lived. And I just remember this, man, this, this is going to leave a mark. And it did it, it, I, two weeks in bed, you know, thank God I had a patient employer at the time to say, take your time. When you want to come back, you come back. Um, and then I, when I went home, I decided I did a couple smart things. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I did stop drinking because alcohol is a depressant. And as your listeners can imagine, you bury two brothers to suicide, you're pretty effing depressed, right? So I stopped drinking because I said, I can't put gasoline on this fire. You know, it's already raging. And then I went and saw a mental health uh, therapist for the first time in my life through my company's employee assistance program. And that, that made a world of difference. Well, that's uh, wonderful that you took charge in that way. Uh, and it's, it, you know, it's very sad that you had to, to lose Matthew and Mark to, to do that. That would have been, you said, the, the early 90s, right? Well, before seeing a therapist was sort of became a thing people talked about, became a thing that people were open about, right? Yeah, 94. And uh, I do remember this, you know, I'm part of this thing, you know, back then I was fighting, I'm fighting now was, uh, I remember going to the therapist and it was a, in a primary care physician's office, but they had his classic therapist, you know, you're going the back door, you know, <laughs> that's where the office was. And um, I remember looking over my shoulder to see if anyone saw me going in. And, you know, I don't give a rat's ass who sees me going in. I know I need it. I mean, we got to get so comfortable with this. I couldn't dump all this stuff on my uh, my wife at the time. You know, she had her own issues to deal with. And the minute I walked to that therapy appointment, I'll tell you, the first one I had, this guy goes, why are you here? And Jay, I cried the entire hour. I just like, I just remember talking about Mark. I could barely get it out. It was one of those awful cries, snot, you know, eyes, I'm, I'm, barely audible you know like oh, mark you know every other word he's writing down and but you know and it, you could barely get it out but it had to come out because if you swallow your problems your stomach keeps score and it just it had to come out so that's i completely agree with you we need to normalize this and, and it's the same thing that you know nobody if you are struggling physically the way you were mentally at that moment everyone everyone in your life would be like dude go see a doctor you know if, if you're walking yeah. around with your leg half hanging off but to your point earlier no one could see that that you were in that state of, of mental uh struggle and and so we do need to more normalize that that going to see a therapist but how do you go from that moment in the in the early to mid 90s to being a leading speaker on 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 suicide prevention today like how, how that's a large jump so how do you how do you go there 
<laughs> Thank God it, it took a while. It's a, it's a, it's a large jump, but it, it's a slow one. And, you know, and God has a plan for all of us. And it's slowly but surely been gnawing at me, you know, tell this story. So I, for years I had to heal. I couldn't talk about it. Then I, you know, ended up having two boys. So I got diverted with the family. Uh, but somewhere around the line, when I moved to South Carolina, I was working on the helpline in Chicago, the 800-273-TALK. That's how I was helping. You know, you get to a point, and everyone of your listeners probably gets to this point, you've been through some crap, and you don't want anyone else to go through that crap. So it's called redemptive healing. You go back and say, I need to stop this. This was bad. It takes a Some people can do it really quickly. It took me about 16 years. I'm always amazed when I see someone, you know, they I'm truly amazed. You know, they, they went through a trauma, and like the next year, they're doing a foundation, and they're running around like, wow, I couldn't do that. I couldn't. It's not, and that's okay. Everyone grieves differently. There's no time frame. It took me a while. Then I spoke in South Carolina at one of these out of the darkness walks for the American Foundation Suicide Prevention. And I sat down. I barely got through it. I bumbled through it. Um, five minutes, they said, speak. I'm like, oh boy. And I, I spoke about the importance of the walk and how all these people came to help me. Uh, after I finally admitted, you know, put out there that I lost two brothers to suicide. And people want to help, they just don't know how. I never asked. So we raised a lot of money that year and they said, do you mind speaking for five minutes? And I sat down, Jay, I remember I sat down and I said, well, that's out, I'm done with that. And some woman came up to me and says, you need to tell that story more often. And I was like, sister, you just saw the one and done show. <laughs> it's, it's all, this ain't happening. Mm -hmm. And then I got a call, you know, someone was there and saw me speak in the USC call, the University of South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina. They said, hey, we saw you at the walk. And I went and spoke to those folks and I bombed horribly, bombed. You know, everyone thinks you get up and you just do your thing. It's, it's an overnight success. Yeah, right. 20 years later, you're an overnight success. I bombed. I bombed at College of Charleston. I cried both times really bad. And then um, finally at Charleston Southern University, um, seemed to hit my stride. And um, remember, I brought a friend with me, my pastor at the time. And I brought him. I said, you got to see this talk I'm doing. Let me know if it has any traction. And we had an hour and a half drive home and he just sat there the whole time and said, dude, you got to keep going. Which was not kind of what I wanted to hear. <laughs> In a weird way, I was like, he probably said, no, don't quit your day job. Um, but he said, no, you got to keep going. You got something. You're, you're put on this planet for a reason. Everybody has a purpose and your purpose is this. So go. And it's, you know, I wish I was talking about all the Super Bowls I won or, all, you know, all the lacrosse goals I scored in my career and how I'm in the NCAA Hall of Fame, which none of that's true. I have to talk about the loss of Matt and Mark. And, but you know, it's, it's the hand I was dealt, so I'm gonna run with it. So before we continue, if you wouldn't mind telling all of my listeners where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can reach out, all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Yeah, I'm very creative. Check this out. My website, DennisGillen.com. <laughs> Genius. Uh, D-E-N-N-I-S-G-I-L-L-A-N, DennisGillen.com. That's probably the easiest way. My TEDx talks on there. Um, I did a talk on loneliness. That was a good one. Um, Jay, I recommend you do one as well. Thanks. Um, you got the, you got, when we get back to meeting each other, public gatherings, go home, Corona. And, um, that's probably the easiest way. And you could look at some I have good resources, good blogs on there, safety plans on there. You get a safety plan, which I'm a big fan of. You fill it out when you're mentally well. So you look at it when you're not mentally well and you say, all right, I need to do this stuff. 
to get back. Um, so that's what that's how they could find me, Jay. I appreciate that. So it looks like we're going to be hanging out inside for at least a little while longer. And with the colder months coming up fast, there's never been a more perfect time to stock up on all your comfy clothes. Lucky for you, you listen to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, and I have a sweet deal for you today. Check out my sponsor, Pair of Thieves. They've got everything you need, from shorts to lounge pants to underwear and bras. They even have a line of Disney socks with all your favorite characters on it. But here's the best part. If you use the link in the show notes or on my podcast website and the discount code Rakuten Thieves, don't worry, that's in the show notes too, you'll get 20% off every full price item in your shopping cart. So stock up on all your comfy clothes today and help out the podcast in the process. So our stories are, are very similar in that way in that, you know, like you, I grew up, uh, I was a big baseball fan, baseball player, always dreamed playing in the World Series and all that. And if I had envisioned myself as a 16-year-old speaking about something, it would have been, you know, here's all the great things I did on the on the diamond or whatever. Uh, and it took me, um, you know, I was five years into recovery uh, from my struggle with substance misuse and, and all this before. I, I had a friend kind of similar to you who was begging me to tell my story I said no and no and no and then finally did it thinking that's it I'm done I did this the one time and very similar to you it just started a ball rolling and, and here I am five years later still still doing that um and and early on very similar to you I kept looking for someone to be like you've had your fun this is over move on to something else and instead just kept getting people going you know this is your thing you're doing you know this is a good a good thing to do and and, and you're really helping a lot of people so this is still a, a, an issue though that we are not talking about as you and I referred to earlier and, and it, it there's we need all hands on deck where where have you found personally is it the college campuses you know what is it that where you have found your that more more people are receptive to this message it's funny you say that because i i was thinking about the college campuses which aren't happening now right they're all zoom meetings what happens is often on a college campus and it's very good they'll make it mandatory say it's Greek life or, you know, I think the athletic department that runs school, the student government, they make it mandatory or you get credit. The one at Charleston Southern, when I first had my breakout was it was a convocation. It was a Wednesday night service. It counted as your chapel service. All right, cool. They get credit. They had to swipe in, they had to swipe out. I don't care how you get there. Just get there. You know, you got to put fannies in the seats, right? You know, so I remember at University of Kentucky, this is hilarious. I'm the speaker. And I got the microphone, the Pell microphone on. But right before I always speak, I have to go outside and get my head right. I pray a little bit. Like, is this what you want me to do, God? And I always hear, yeah, get your butt back in there. Speak. I just have to pump. I can't deal with it. We already did the audio test. We did all that stuff. I just have to go get mentally ready. So I'm on my way out the door. And it's all these fraternity guys showing up, which is what I want. I want men because, you know, 78% of all suicides are men. Women have more attempts. So I need them all in there, you know. This particular group was men, and I'm holding the door as I'm trying to get out, and all these guys are walking by me, and I hear this kid say, I can't wait till this shit is over with. <laughs> I'm on the speaker. He's talking about my talk. I can't wait till this shit's over with. I'm like, okay, here we go. But that's the guy I want, believe it or not. That's the person who doesn't think they need it, 
Right. But, you know, one day you may be around somebody who's in, the, in, in mental health distress, or it may be you. So that's that made me laugh. Or our younger Dennis would have got pissed off about it. That cracked me up. I'm like, that's the guy I want. So I don't care if you have to be there. You have to be there. And then, Jay, you know this. After you're done, you never know who's listening. And then you go back right. and then like a week or two later on Instagram, even years later, I got one like three years later on Instagram saying, here, Mr. Gillen. And this is how my feedback always starts. It cracks me up. Dear Mr. Gillen, I didn't want to go to your talk. To which I usually reply, fantastic. I didn't want to give it. <laughs> we're even. We're, we're totally even on that one. And then you, that's how it always is. I didn't want to go to your talk. All right, I got you. And then they said, but I did this one thing. One, one was really cool. This one girl said something like, battling mental health. I listened to you talk about sobriety because after Matt died, I stopped drinking and to help uh, heal. And she goes, I recently stopped drinking. And it's made a world of difference with my mental health. I'm like, wow, one person in the back row who did not want to be there right. heard one little pearl and now it's helped their life a little bit better. So, you know, that's why we do what we do, Jay. I completely agree. I say this whenever I speak, whenever I get interviewed, my goal is to reach the one person. And, 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 you know, I don't look at the numbers of, I don't, I don't really care about all this stuff because when someone emails me and says, you know, you don't know me, but that that makes it it all worth it you know i i met somebody this was a couple of years ago i met somebody in person who said hey you're you're jay schiffman right i said yeah and they said you're you have a semicolon tattoo right and for those who don't listeners who don't know the semicolon project is the you know uh anti or the suicide prevention project it's it stands for i could have stopped like a semicolon but i kept going and i said i, I do and she said you know a couple of years ago i saw you tweet that on on, on twitter and um you know, it really, it, 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 I was going through some, something at the time and for, it just was perfect timing. And I, I saw that somebody else out there sort of got through this and, and was able to, to continue. And it, it made a, a difference for me. And that one was like mind blowing. Cause this was just a, when you throw it out there on Twitter, you're basically just shouting into the void and here was somebody who saw it and made a difference. And that taught me if one person can see that tweet and that makes a difference, you know, these speeches, these interviews, everything that we're doing, you know, can't even imagine. That's like switching from machine gun to a, a targeted, a targeted shot. So uh, like a laser. I, I, I definitely agree. I agree with that. And, you know, I've never had an experience where someone openly said, I don't want to lis listen to what you're saying. That's very <laughs> funny. But oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. I was reading something not long ago that said the, there was an estimation that, you know, normally the number everybody cites is one in five people are struggling with some sort of mental health or, or, or substance misuse issue. During COVID, that estimation has gone up to one in two. And, and they said one of the unintended sort of silver linings is that people are starting to go, oh, this is what it feels like to live with anxiety. This is what it feels like to struggle with depression. And I hope that five years on, 10 years on, whatever, we as a nation, as a world, remember this and remember what this felt like. I want your listeners, and you can look it up afterwards. It's, it's done out of UNC Charlotte. There's a thing called post-traumatic stress growth. We're all familiar with post-traumatic stress disorder, and it's real. It's absolutely real. Um, there's a flip side of that. PTSD doesn't happen to everybody. You can take a lot of people under circumstances and some will get it, some won't. You're like, wow, just sometimes it's just by chance. You got it, you didn't. 
there's a thing called post-traumatic stress growth. And I'm hoping that occurs after the pandemic is, you know, we learn to really, you know, tolerate each other, love each other, grow um, from this experience and not have it disable us and, and uh, cripple us in a sense. I think we, I'm hoping for that. I'm, 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 I'm studying it hard. So I hope it happens to me after this. You know, so you think about it, Jay, everyone, everyone, your listeners, everybody's recovering from something, everybody, something happened to them and everybody loves a good comeback. And I hope we all get to write our, our comebacks and get through this. Everybody loves a good comeback. There's your quote from this, from That's this uh, interview. All right. So I have a couple of final questions I do with, with everyone, but before we get into those sort of micro targeting here, you and I both live currently in South Carolina and this area and sort of broadly this area, it's much harder. I have found someone who's not from here and you are, aren't as well to talk about issues of mental health and substance misuse. I thought it was tough in the Midwest where I'm from. And, and then I moved down here and went, Oh, wow. Like I had no idea. You've been here longer than I have. I've only been here for a year. Are you seeing uh, more progress down here? I, I, is it? Is it? Are, are there reasons for hope that you're seeing that we're getting over some of this stigma? I am. I, I'm seeing the. Uh, you know, I've been out here 15, 16 years. I, you know, I've, I've been on some boards, you know, the, locally, and, and interacted with some really good groups like Mental Health America is one of them, NAMI National Alliance Mental Illness, one of them, AFSP. American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. So maybe it's the circles I run in uh, that I've surrounded myself with people that are totally cool uh, about talking about it. When I go to like a board meeting for any of those groups, you know, the one I'm on is AFSP, the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. We have a moment, of, you know, we have a self-care moment. We'll go around the table. So I've, I've been very fortunate, I guess, like bodies seek each other out to find these people that are okay talking about it. And anytime you get involved in, in the work we're doing, you will find somebody that's been through something like you've been through it. And it's really, you know, birds of a feather flock together. It's comfortable talking about it. You know, listen, I got to find a new therapist. Who do you go to? You know, and again, I can have that conversation. And eventually I'm an old fart. I'm 56, going to turn 57 next week. I know I look 55. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> this is a Zoom call, but it's going to be on the radio. I have a face made for radio. I have a face made for podcasts. But as you get older, you also you stop caring about the Joneses, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, you really stop caring about them. It's not apathy. You know, I'm not saying apathetic. I just, I got to do me the best I can. You got to do you the best you can. I can't tell you how to do you because I can barely do me. Like Brian Regan, the comedian says, I'm trying to get through this life without looking stupid. So far, I'm not doing a very good job. <laughs> but you know, that's what I'm trying to, like, we're all trying to do that. You know, so I would say to your listeners, this is the anti-suicide message. Hang in there, because the older you get, the more mellow you get, and you start figuring out the people that matter the most, and the people that matter the least. You know, we take pictures of our jewelry and our food and post it on social media. Check out the cheeseburger I'm eating. Eh, I don't care about your cheeseburger. I care about you, the person. You know, like, you know, so as you get older, you really don't care about that stuff. It's kind of cool. There you go. There's your second quote for this one. I don't, I don't care about your cheeseburger. That's, that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's the title of your next comedy album. But I, don't, I don't care about your cheeseburger. Yeah. I'm going to get a t-shirt made. <laughs> yes. There's your new branding right there. All right. Before we go into the final questions, one more time, tell my listeners where they can find you, where they can reach out all the good stuff. Sure. You can find me on all the social media platforms. I hate them all. <laughs> 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 good for my mental health. Easiest way is my website 
DennisGillen.com. D-E-N-N-I-S-G-I-L-L-A-N.com. So I always finish with the same two questions. Number one, uh, not just during COVID, but obviously right now uh, more so than ever. What are your self-care habits that, that you recommend? What works for you? And then number two, this episode is basically a, a big advertisement why we should follow you and all the amazing work you're doing. But who are you following? Who are you reading? Who are you listening to? Who is having an impactful influence on you? Great question. First one, self-care. I like to go places where I'm small, where it's not about me. The beach is one of them and the mountains are the other. You know, just those two. I live in Greenville, South Carolina, not too far from the mountains of Western North. I go in the woods and I'm just a little man in a big area. You know, like it's not about Dennis. Um, tennis is another one good, good one, physical exercise. I have ADHD and in tennis, it's really good because everything's happening really fast. But everything slows down for me. You know, like I could see stuff. So exercise a little bit. I told you I, uh, I don't drink or smoke. Uh, that, that was a good choice, so the self-care part. So there's your self-care questions. Go where you feel small, beaches, mountains, somewhere hiking, outdoorsy. And some folks, you know, they get small inside a good book. Whatever you do, you do. Whatever your positive coping skill is, you know, I don't want to say, I, you know, I go to a bar and get shit-faced. Not cool, right? You know, not cool. That's not a positive coping skill. The second part of that, you always could look at, you could tell someone, they always said you could tell what someone cares about by looking at their checkbook. Uh, another one for you now, Jay, is you could tell what someone thinks about by looking at their podcast list. That's why people should listen to Choose Your Struggle, because you're going to hear positive, right? Am I right? No, you're, you're definitely right. Yeah, yeah, give yourself a plug because you're going to listen to that. You know, positive people have conquered adversity and come out the other side and uh, reaching back, trying to help others like we're doing today. And another one good good one is this guy, John O'Leary. John O'Leary inspires. He was burned over like 90% of his body as a kid. He has a podcast. I just, anything positive, you know, anything positive. You look at it, it's, it's um, not much garbage. My, you know, and one man's garbage is another man's treasure. My wife loves those murder mystery things and all that stuff. And we're in the car. I'm like, oh, I can't listen to that. But mine are all different. And it's funny. We have a rule when we road trip. The driver gets to pick the podcast. And it's really weird because I was when I went on a road trip with my sons, one guy's a food, a foodie, so we had to listen to all these food ones. The other guy's a chemist. We had to listen to all these nerd science ones, you know, but <laughs> but they're all pot, you know. So whatever you do, you do. So that's the self-care and, and the podcast stuff, like your stuff. Just be mindful of what you put in your body. Well, actually put, Dennis, this is gonna, this is gonna be great. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, Jay, I really appreciate what you're doing. And um, you said I'm further down the road. I think you keep going. You're going to pass me and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Because, again, we're, you and I are both talking to that one person in the back that does not want to be there. And then they, they pick up one pearl and they go, son of a gun, Jay Shipman was right. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, oh, man, I just I don't even know where to begin? Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you, so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. 
It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. All right, we've come to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for tuning into the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I hope you enjoyed both Dennis and Dee Dee. I did. They both had such interesting things to say about their particular field and the work they're doing. Uh, it's it's just, it's, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much what they're both contributing to society, to our culture in a really helpful way. If you're still listening, uh, that means you're a true fan of this podcast. So I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of something that I'll be talking about either next week or the week after. And that is what's in store for season two. As you all know, because you've been listening, this season will end the first week of December. There's a couple more episodes of interviews, and then I will do sort of a wrap-up episode, and that will be the end of the season. There will still be some special episodes that come out between seasons, but things are changing. I'm switching podcast hosts, so there'll be probably a couple of days where you won't be able to find the podcast. That's okay. It'll be back with a flourish after that. Season two will have a new format. There won't be a shout-out every episode. It will be uh, every couple, because as I've heard from the surveys and from people reaching out, people want to hear me more, which is, again, I'm very thankful for that. So uh, the days where there isn't a shout-out will just be a longer me chatting, probably telling a story, talking about these issues. And the most important thing, no, not really, but, but the coolest thing, I think, there will be a new theme song, a new music for the episode. I specifically worked with a really awesome beatbox and rap artist who did a whole new slew, uh, a new theme song, new new um, interlude music, all that kind of stuff. Really incredible. You're not going to want to miss it. You can hear all that when the second season starts in January, or you can hear all that by joining Patreon. So if you go to Patreon, choose your struggle, and sign up even at the lowest amount, which is only $3 a month, you can get a sneak peek every week on Wednesday of what's coming up on the podcast. You'll also get some content behind the scenes stuff. And between the two seasons, you'll get a sneak peek of all the changes coming in season two. So go check out the Patreon. All right, enough about me. Here is your card for this week. As always, brought to you by Blurt. Thank you, Blurt. You have been hugely helpful for me this first season of the podcast. There are the cards. We're using the 54 Ways to Ease Your Anxious Mind Pack this week because if you don't have anxiety right now about what's going on in our country, boy, I want to hear your methods of uh, <laughs> self-care because wow. All right. This is a great one uh, and really nice for this time of year. Listen to soothing nature sounds. Listen to soothing nature sounds. It is that time of year where if you live down here in the south where I am, there's still birds. Uh, it's actually like 85 degrees today. It's pretty horrible. Uh, I'm ready for fall. I miss the fall of the Midwest. If you're up in the Midwest, you're getting leaves falling and crunching and all that kind of stuff. Enjoy nature right now. It's incredible. All right. Here is your good egg for this week. Very simple. You heard me talk about Michael Denzel Smith on the way in. Go find a black author and read. That's it. Could be an article, can be a book. If you need a recommendation, reach out to me. I mean, me because I'm the host of this podcast, but 
also just search. There are so many incredible black authors that aren't getting the love they deserve. Even those that do get some love, it's just, it pales in comparison to what they deserve, right? And, and I've read so many good things over the last year. I really made an effort because I realized when I looked at all my book lists from 2019 and early 2020 that I was reading a couple of black authors, but the percentage was very low. You know, I'm reading, I'm on pace to read about 40 books this year. And when I looked at that early in 2020, I realized it was going to be like maybe 25%. So I doubled down and, and, and now I'm reading more black authors than, than white authors. And it's just so helpful. You know, as I said on the way in, we have to allow ourselves to be shown what we can't see. And sometimes that means a slap in the face like Michael Denzel Smith or, you know, the new Jim Crow, which was very much that. And other times, it's just reading black authors. You know, I read, I read a fantasy book by a black author that the normal experiences in these books are different than mine. And it's a really great eye-opening experience. Um, and and I, I can't say enough about, you know, as George Harrison said, the farther one travels, the less one knows. And that also includes opening your mind and, and your eyes to other cultures. So that's your good egg. Go read a black author. But most importantly, be vulnerable, show some empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle. There's very little better than waking up in the morning to a truly fantastic cup of coffee. And if you're like me, you're looking for something that tastes fresh and isn't weak or overproduced. That's why I've switched to Four Sigmatic and I won't go back. Four Sigmatic mixes their beans with mushrooms to give your brain that jumpstart you didn't know you needed. So go to the link in my show notes or on my podcast page and use the code CHOOSEYOURSTRUGGLE at checkout for 10% off. You can sign up for one of their awesome subscriptions or just try buying a bag. And with their 100% money bag guarantee, there's no downside. So check them out today and don't forget the code CHOOSEYOURSTRUGGLE. Thank you.